a presence of God when we get together as family, man. There's nothing like having family here. So I, I just thank God for each and every single one of you, amen, and the family that we have um, and what God is just doing in our lives and through our ministries. And so I just thank God for, for uh, Pastor Kevin and Yvonne Charles and Glorious Rune at Revival Darlington. I thank God. I thank God. I thank God for Risen Assembly and Pastor Mills and First Lady Mills. Can we just thank God and, and Risen Assembly? We thank God for what he's doing in Hartsville. We thank God for what he's doing in Darlington. We thank God for what he's doing in Florence. Amen. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Joshua. I, I believe that God deals with us like he dealt with Joshua. The same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I believe whatever God is doing in Florence, he's going to do the same thing in Hartsville. I, I believe that whatever he's doing in Hartsville, he's going to do the same thing in Dalton. He's the same God. I need somebody to shout, same God. I felt that in my spirit, man. He's the same God. Something's about to happen. I just need you to tap your name and say, something's about to happen. God Almighty. Glory to God. 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 We could, we could get it. Listen, I'm, I, I'm glad that we're here together as a family. There's some things that I want to share with you all. And, you know, we had such a phenomenal and life-changing moment at our leadership uh, retreat. We had such a phenomenal life-changing moment. So many things were hit. So many aspects. So many things that we were exposed to. Um... That to, to, for God to, in a sense, release us into an understanding of the, the variety of ways he brings victory. God brings victory in a variety of ways. He releases his anointing through many different expressions. Um, and you know, Joshua, while we were there, they began to hit on the kingdom. Um, began to hit on the kingdom. And, and any time, you know, that always strikes a nerve with me because I have a passion for the kingdom of God. I believe that that's the calling. And um, one of the individuals said, uh, he's a pastor from Miami, actually from um, El Salvador. Originally, he said, the God, we got to differentiate between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. We must differentiate between the two. The gospel of salvation is a part of the gospel of the kingdom, but it is not the totality of what we're called to. We are not just called to get saved. Hello, somebody. Amen? And so it's not just making sure I punch my ticket so I don't get burned in fire. That has never been that, that, gospel of salvation is a portion of the gospel of the kingdom. And I realized something as we begin to hit that and as that just was reiterated in my spirit, I understood the importance of us as a people um, um, grabbing a hold of and understanding what the gospel of the kingdom is, what it means to do kingdom. Some people believe when they come up with a catchy commercial, oh, that commercial kingdom. Or they come up with a catchy way to get people's attention and to get them in the building. That's the kingdom. Amen. So it's, it's, it's very important that we clear the air concerning it because that's all Jesus preached. Jesus did not preach get saved. He did not preach get saved or burn in hell. That was not his message. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Now, if he preached the gospel of the kingdom 99.8% of the time and 0.2% of the time preached about getting saved so you don't go to hell, why do we preach get saved 99.8% of the time and maybe 0.2% of the time we preach the kingdom of God? Amen? I believe that somewhere along the line that our 
ability to understand what we're called to do has been hijacked by our adversary. I believe the enemy wants to teach us how to get saved so he'll make getting away from him the biggest deal. When he's already been defeated. Defeating the devil isn't the biggest deal. <laughs> he's already been defeated. Now you shall be endued with power on high so you can be a witness. A witness of what? That I whooped him. We're, supp we're supposed to be the witness that God whooped the devil. I'm the witness that he got whooped. Every time I get up in the morning with joy in my spirit, I'm a witness that he got whooped. Every day I walk in victory, I'm a witness. He whooped him. Every day I, I, I release the anointing, I'm a I need some witnesses. You're a witness that the devil got whooped. I dare you. It was the spirit on people after Jesus rose from the dead. It was after he beat the devil's silver bullet. You're going to be endued what makes you a witness of the fact that he got whooped. I'm telling you right now, some wrestling is about to stop in some of our lives. I'm telling you right now, some struggling. Because the only reason why we're entangled and wrestling with it is because we don't understand. We're supposed to be a witness that it already got whooped. You're wrestling with what he whooped because you don't understand what you're supposed to be witnessing. He didn't say witness turn or burn. He said, now that you've seen, I beat the grave. I'm going to pour on you my spirit that won. So you can be a witness. We're nothing but winners. I need you to know you're a winner. So I want to deal with some things in the kingdom. I want to deal with some things in the kingdom. We don't have to work hard to whoop the devil. He already got whooped. Our assignment isn't to ever beat the devil. Not one time. Our assignment is to submit to the God who did. And he'll run because he know he already got whooped. So our fight is for submission. Amen? And so this is what we got to understand. What is, God, what is the kingdom about then? If, if, if it's not me um, um, finally wrestling with this big bad devil all day. You know why we think he's the big bad devil? Because he's the one telling us who he is. And we listening and agreeing with him. He is busy. The devil's so busy. Who, who, you want, who do you think is telling you the devil is busy? It ain't your God. Your God is telling you in the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. As surely as the waters cover the sea, the earth shall be covered with the knowledge of God. That's what God is saying. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. Watch this. So I want to deal with the kingdom a little bit because I know there's some things that, that we need to touch on. Amen. We win to the degree we understand he already got whooped. We win to the degree we understand the devil already got whooped in what it is he's attacking me in. Whatever it is he's saying he's doing in my life, it already got whooped. When I understand it got whooped, no matter how it may make me feel in the moment, eventually, it, he must flee. He's a master of illusions. Amen? There's no texture to him. Amen. The master of illusions. Matthew 24. Let's look at this. I want to deal with some things out of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. Watch this. Just, just some teaching on the nature of God's kingdom, what he's called us to. Hallelujah. Matthew 24, verse number 9. 
says here, Matthew 24, verse number 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This is now God's prophecy of the, the end time, last times in which we understand begin according to the announcement of Peter on the day of Pentecost. This is that which was spoken in the, uh, by the prophet Joel in the last days. I'll pour out my spirit. The last days begin at that outpouring because that's what he referred to it as, Right? So he's, this is a, a prophecy about those last days. goes on to say in first, verse 10, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. Verse 12, And because iniquity shall bound, abound, everybody say lawlessness. It's another word for lawlessness. And because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Verse 14. Love this verse. As a matter of fact, it was so funny because I ended up getting a note by the same gentleman I mentioned earlier that was preaching on the kingdom, Raul. He sent me a card and a note because of he was blessed by our, the, we are mutually blessed by each other's ministry. So he actually had one of his attendants send me a card and with a seed and a note in it, and he put at the bottom Matthew 24 and 14. I didn't read it until after I was already going here, but Matthew 24 and 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Father, we thank you and we bless you now for the power that you have placed on preaching by the breathing of your wind. We thank you that the word is mingled with spirit and the spirit is mingled with word. And even as your spirit moved on the faces of the deep and brought things into order, any disorder, anything out of place, anything out of line, I think that we'd be a realigned with your purposes, with your mind, with your heart, with your nature. Realign us today. And Lord God, we'll bless you for it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. It's so, so very important and imperative that we as a people, as a church, understand the nature of the gospel of the kingdom. And the reason being is, is because the gospel of the kingdom is actually the most integral part that points to the consummation or the summing up of all things. Put another way, it is now what points to the place where the world ends and Jesus comes. Amen? It is now the, the precursor to the consummation of the age. The close of the age of the church and the, the, the now beginning of the kingdom age. Amen? We are to preach the kingdom because there is a kingdom age coming. Amen? The end... This is what we got to get out of that because some people are getting it wrong. The end will not be announced by the news. I know we at the end. Look at how they killing each other. I know we at the end. Look at how nations are fighting nations. At the end will not be announced by the news. The end will not be announced by what president gets elected. Guess what? The end won't even be announced by new sicknesses and diseases. Coming to COVID is not a sign that the end is right around. You better get it right because the end is about to come. He said, no, when these things begin to happen, no, the end is not. But it ain't the end yet. I need you to look at him and tell your neighbor, it ain't the end yet. He will not come back tomorrow. That doesn't mark it. He says, but when this gospel of the kingdom is being prevalently preached... When, when the gospel of the kingdom becomes the most prevalently preached message in all the nations, you better believe the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is about to come. Amen? 
What we must understand, and I hit on it, I couldn't even touch half of it. Uh, uh, the gospel of the kingdom is a relational reality at its core, at the core, at, at its foundation, at its rawest nature. The gospel, the kingdom is a relational reality. You are to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, all of thy mind, all of thy soul, all of thy strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. It is a relational right. And he says, look, if you do those two things, you don't need none of the thou shall not. You need none of the thou shall not because all the law and the prophets hinge on that. If you got that, you got the kingdom. And so the more we love the king, the more his kingdom can come through us. Amen. It's Jesus's governmental rule on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. His governmental rule can only be operated by one reality called the greatest of these, love. And these three abide, faith, hope, and, but the greatest of these is we cannot operate the kingdom without love. That's why in the last days the love of many shall wax, what? And the, the kingdom cannot operate. The kingdom can only be operated by those who are in fiery love with God. See, the, literally like this, the, the, if the kingdom was a car, love would be the gas. I, couldn't put, I can't put it no other way. It don't matter if you got a BMW. It don't matter if you got a Mercedes. It don't matter if you got a Maserati. It don't matter if you got a Lamborghini. It don't matter if you paid $200,000 for that car, unless it's a Tesla, I guess. Amen. It don't matter if you paid $200,000 for that car. If you don't put gas in it, you will not be able to operate it as expensive and as valuable as it is. Love is the only means by which we have to operate the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom can be summed up in one word. Everybody say love. love. Notice the timing when the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. At a time where due to offense, due to betrayal, and hate, the love of many, if you read that verse, the love of many shall wax cold. So the gospel of the kingdom is the preaching of a hot love in a cold culture. When individuals aren't passionate about the things of God, when individuals aren't passionate about walking in the spirit, the purposes of God, his will in the earth, it is the preaching of an all-encompassing love for God in an environment where individuals are living in a cold culture. Why? That's what I ask myself. I, when, when, I, when I'm interacting with God, and when God is speaking to me about his word, Jarvis, my question is why? Why is it that you want us to love you so much that you said, I don't want 50% of your love. I don't want 75% of your love. I want all of your love. God, are you that egotistical that you want all of our attention? Is that it? Is it that you want our, our attention so much that it makes you feel so good that when we reciprocate back to you what you've given to us. Why? It has a purpose. There's an end to it. Love is a means to an end. What is love? God's love, watch this, ultimately produces likeness. Now I need to walk this out just for a little bit. Please let me teach on the kingdom to you. God's love ultimately produces likeness. If what we call loving God doesn't end in being like God, glory be to God, then it's, it is love that is waxed cold. All God's love ends in more of being like who he is. There is no greater expression of love than for the Father to give us his son's likeness. I came that you might have Jesus is life. I came that you might have my likeness. I can't. Why? Because there is no other greater love than this. Because God looses us through likeness. Come on. I'm going to say that again. God looses us 
through likeness. He looses us from bondage through likeness, which is the product of his love. If I'm struggling by anxiety, you know what God is going to do? He's going to love me until I receive the likeness of his son, who is the prince of peace. Glory be to God. And as I, through love, enter into the likeness of the aspect of Jesus, that's the Prince of Peace, I come out of anxiety, not because God freed me, but because I became like him. I, who I am that came out wasn't the one that went in. Love lifted me. Love changed my mind about it. Love changed my temperament. Love changed my heart. I used to want to run the streets but I don't want to run the streets no more. Don't think you change your mind. Love change. Love lifts us. I want you to know if you're coming out, you ain't coming out like you are right now. God looses us through likeness. It's something about my mind that's more like his that won't let me stay there no more. Something about my temperament that's more like his that won't allow me to stay in that funk no more. Love lifted me. Come, anybody, anybody felt love lifting them lately? Come on. It ain't that some of the situations ain't the same, but I ain't the same no more. It ain't like some of the issues ain't the same, but I ain't the same. Love is lifting me. Do you know that love starts lifting you before you get saved? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love start lifting me and you before we got saved. Love start making us like God before we got saved. All right, pastor, prove it to me. I'll prove it to you. You know what we did one day? We came to the conclusion why we were in the club, why we were running the streets, why we were still drinking. You know what? I think I need to go to church. You know what that is? That's love making us like Jesus because zeal for his father's house consumes him. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Wanting to come to church is actually being like Jesus. Love lifted me. Love started changing me before I knew what I was changing into. Amen. Yahweh looses us by way of likeness, which is a product of his love. Amen. We come out of bondage to the degree we don't look like who we are right now while we're in that bondage. Amen. You and me literally are benefiting from the love of God to the degree we're becoming like God. Hallelujah. To the degree I'm becoming like the God that defeated the devil, the devil can't defeat me. How does God give me the victory. He doesn't get victory over the devil. He already got it. How does he give it to me? By giving me him. There's no other way I can get it. How does he give me what he already did? By giving me himself. I came that you might have my life. Love progresses us in likeness and likeness releases us into liberty. We go from glory to glory. And from faith to faith by the Spirit. I want to work and, and love. that's a likeness. I want to I live for God. I wanna, that's a likeness thing. His meat is to do the will of his Father. His nourishment is to do the will of his Father and to finish his work. I don't just want to get fired up about working for God. I enter into the likeness of the one who says my meat, my nourishment, my heartbeat. What makes me get up in the morning is to do his will. And as I, through love lifting me, get like that, I begin to now operate in the will of God. The, let, me, let me help you understand something about the love of God. The love of God doesn't just make us feel cared for. He makes us like, it makes us like Jesus. A lot of people just want love to make them feel cared for. That's not what God's love did. That, that's, a, that's a dimension of his love, but his love is so much greater than that. It doesn't just make us feel cared for because we can still feel cared for and feel lousy. We can feel cared for and still feel defeated. We can feel cared for and still be oppressed. Anybody ever been there before? You knew God cared for you, but it didn't change the fact you felt lousy. You knew God cared for you, but it didn't. And it eased the pain a little bit, but it didn't take it away. 
Because his love doesn't just make us feel, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I know I'm still cared for. God's love is more powerful than that. God's love has more purpose than that. God's love is more anointed than that. His love lifts us. Why does God call us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and call that the kingdom? It's not just because he's egotistical. It's not just because he wants our, all of our attention because it has a functional purpose because loving God with all of our heart, what that does is, I put it this way, how much we give him our heart is how much he gives us his image. How much we give him our mind is how much he gives us his likeness. There's an exchange. Why do I want all of your heart? So I can give you all of myself. Why do I want all of your mind? If you give me 30% of your mind, I can only give you 30% of myself. If you give me 85% of your heart, I can give you 85% of my image. I'm calling you into the kingdom because I need to function in the earth. And I don't need people to wait until I come back. I need somebody to bear my image now. And so, so I'm sitting there and give you an example. And I, uh, just as I call my spiritual son, he, I want him to come over. So we're sitting there talking. Me and Justin, and, and, and I preached a message in Bible study about access, how individuals, the blood gives us um, unlimited access to the presence of God by which we're changed. And then he said, Pastor, man, when I heard that message and I knew I could have access all the time, I don't want to be like the individual that has access to the gym and don't nobody even know I got access. He said, I got it. It clicked to me. Amen? Because there's so many saints that got access to the life-transforming presence of God, the heart-shifting presence of God, the mind-lifting presence of God, the bondage-breaking presence of God, but we don't properly use the access, and nobody can even tell we got it. Amen? And so he tells me, he said, what I'm doing is, once I heard that, he said, man, I'll lock myself in the closet for four and five hours at a time. And I'll literally read the word, and, 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 and he's like, no, no, please don't tell nobody. I'm just telling you because, you know, I'm fasting. He's like, man, I heard I got access. You know, every chance I get, when we riding down the street, if, if we stop somewhere and they go one way, I'm getting out of my Bible. I'm, I'm going to praise him. I heard I got access. I'm not just reading the Bible, Pastor. You know, he's looking at me saying, Pastor. And it's, it's, it's just joy on him because he's looking at me in my eyes. Pastor, oh, he's so good. This is what, how he's acting. He's acting like a drunk man. But I know what it is. I recognize it. I've, I've been drunk like that before. He's at the table saying, oh, he's so good. Oh. And I'm sitting there chuckling. <laughs> Yeah, you done sip some of that sip. You done sip the sip sip. Glory to God. He said to me, I'm using all of my access. Every moment of my life, I don't want to give it to nothing else. I'm not giving it to, I'm not watching nothing. I'm giving it all to God. And how dareth me. As a trained Christian to tell them, no, don't go so far. No, 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 no. But some of us ain't went near far enough. Tell nobody not to go too far when we ain't went far enough to lay hands on the sick and they recover. Don't say we go too far when we can't raise the dead yet. We ain't went far enough yet. Too far? What you, what's too far? Amen? And so he's saying, I'm using my access. And then he said, Pastor, you would believe it. I'm going, he's going crazy at the table. And I'm just sitting there busting my gut. And I'm just saying, get him, Jesus. Get him. He said, I was riding down the street. And this something told me to stop and pray for this woman. So I stopped my car in the middle of the street. And I, I looked at this woman. And what would you say, Jesus, what? Did you say Jesus loved you and she couldn't hear you? She couldn't hear me. So she comes and, and, and to him. So, so Justin then asks, can I pray for you? No, she's not. And so the woman says, sure. She begins to run towards Justin. They're in the middle of the street now. Justin prays for her ears. She starts screaming. Ah! I can hear. I can hear. 
ear. This boy then opened up deaf ears and ain't been baptized but seven days. Why? Because it ain't got nothing to do with your training. It ain't got nothing to do with your X, Y, and Z. It's a love that facilitates the power. So he goes back and checks on her. Do you know the folks go through seven-week classes to learn how to heal? He has not had one class, and there's a woman we can bring in here now that was deaf and can now hear. Love does that. Passion does that. Fire does that. This boy has done more with the power of God than folks that have been saved 25 years. So, so now, this is what I tell him. He said, you know, Pastor, I just want them all the time. I want them in the morning. I want them at night. I study all day, and at 4 o'clock, I go out, and I just find people to witness to. And I don't even know what to say all the time. I just tell them God love them, and whatever comes in my spirit. So he's just doing that and doing that and doing that. I said, what, what you're doing is you're using your access. And I said, Justin, the best way I can explain what using your access is, have you all seen the statue of David? The cut up David? Or a sculpture, period. You know how they have those sculptures perfectly sculptured? When we get saved, it is just the cement block. Once we get saved, we're not the sculpture yet. That's the image of God. We're just the cement block. And how much we look like the end sculpture, which is his image, is how much we use our access. See, you're going after God four, five, six, seven hours a day. Every time you go after God, what is he doing? He's taking the chisel and the hammer. And then you getting up early in the morning and he's taking the chisel and the hammer. While there's somebody who's been in church for 50 years that only get one hit a week. You don't use your access. It's one hit a week. You're not even seeking God. You're trying to get stuff. One hit a week. So, so now you have somebody who's been in the kingdom for a week that has more chipped away than somebody who's been in the kingdom for 10 years because somebody is worrying instead of using their access. Somebody, oh, glory be to God. Somebody, the cares of this life has choked it out of somebody. Love releases the kingdom. So he's busting out laughing because he said, we're in the middle of the street and I hear this woman. This woman can hear. I went and checked on her yesterday. She said, I'm still hearing. And you know what I told him? I ain't training nothing. Keep up the good love. How much does God have to chip away at you? How much... How much do we give him opportunity to make us into that sculpture? There's some people who do real good. They don't just go on Sunday. They come on Wednesday, too. You get two chips a week. Two chips a week. You, you have this whole block. And so now, why am I fighting the devil? He's not actually touching me. He's touching parts of me that are supposed to be gone by now. So oh, y'all better hear what I'm saying up in here. I'm trying to help you understand how likeness looses us. He's grabbing the corner of a block that should have been tipped. I, that should have been chipped away by now. He's grabbing parts of our attitude that should have been chipped away by now. He's grabbing parts of our thinking that should have been chipped away by now. He's grabbing parts of our disposition that should have been gone by now. Stop trying to beg them and just go. Go after God with all your heart and in the going. Don't say, use your access. The enemy is touching parts of you that ain't supposed to be there no more. Did you hear what I just said? He's stressing parts of you that ain't supposed to be there no more. Amen? So watch this. So, um, you know, I remember those days I used to do the same thing. Justin mess around and call you in the east. Pastor, you wouldn't believe it. So you just sit there for an hour, and I, I got to let him breathe out the fire, you know. I know how it was because I used to do the same thing. There was a man by the name of Pastor Montgomery. I know he got tired of me. When I got filled with the Holy you wouldn't believe it. 
You believe what God did? I used to wear him out. Don't care when you call because time don't matter when you're in that level of glory. It's 1230 at night. You feel like it's 2 p.m. Guess what God just told me? Pastor McGurry is sitting there like, oh, son, because he still loved me. So he, he got wisdom on his life. Son, can we talk about that? You know, and it can't wait. It can't wait. It's a blessing to see that childlike faith that actually has power and lives in liberty. So watch this. And sometimes what we do is we train them in the chains. We make them like us, and we ain't doing none of it. Watch this. With the understanding, watch this, watch this. With the understanding that love's end is likeness, we look at Matthew 24 and 12. That's what I want to go back to. With the understanding that, that love's end is likeness. Everybody say, love's end is likeness. It's God chipping away at me. That's why he wants me to love him with all his heart because I'm going after him. And every time I go after him, he can chip something. Every time I bless him, he can chip something. Every time I seek him, he can chip something. Why is he telling me to love him with all his heart? Because he's making me a Picasso. He's now forming me. He's making me an artwork. He knows the end. He's saying, love me with all your heart because I don't want to stop this work. I don't want this work to stall. Keep on loving me. Keep on seeking me. Keep on blessing me. Let me work. And then the enemy comes in with worry. And then the enemy comes in with, with, with lies and, uh, and over-inflating what he's doing, and we stop the work. Why would I try to beat him when I could look like the one that already defeated him? Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, get back to love. Matthew 24 and 12. Watch this. New King James Version. Matthew 24 and 12. Watch this. It says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will do what? Wax cold. And because lawlessness. Now, what do we know the end of love is? The end of love is what? So when Jesus refers to lawlessness, he's not talking about the law of Moses. Our problem is we equate that to the law. He is not talking about the law of Moses, for by the law, put Romans 3 and 20 up, nobody could be justified anyway. <sighs> by the deeds of the law shall what? No flesh be what? If that is the case, how is it that the law would disqual? He's not talking about the law. Jesus is talking about the law of life. There's a new law we live under. It is not the law of Moses. It's the Romans 8 law. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus who's made me free from the law of sin and death. Our problem is we're living under the wrong law. We're trying to fulfill the wrong law that can't make us righteous. It's not behavior modification. It's nature transformation. It's not behavior modification. It's nature transformation. I just got to work on this behavior. No, you got to get to the mindset where you ain't got to work on it no more. It's just not who you are. Amen. Jesus is talking about the law of life. So if that be the case, if love's end is likeness, lawlessness is the rejection of likeness. I'm going to say that again. Lawlessness is actually the rejection of likeness. We are as lawless as we embrace being like someone not in his likeness. We practice lawlessness by rejecting his likeness and claiming a likeness that's not his. All right, I might need to go a little bit further because we ain't got that yet. Maybe if I put it like this, it's embracing having a short temper when he's long-suffering. I'm being lawless when I say I'm short-tempered and I know he's long-suffering. I'm rejecting likeness. 
It's embracing not trusting people. It's embracing being skeptical of people when love trusts all things. It's me saying, well, I don't trust everybody, but love trusts all things. It's me rejecting likeness. I am being lawless. Because the love of many shall wax cold. Lawlessness is a love issue. It's embracing being a struggler of sin when Jesus overcame all sin. I'm not saying we don't never struggle with a sin, but it's embracing this is just the way that I am. I'm not saying that we don't have to deal with stuff in our attitude. It's embracing a reason for why we that way that's greater than the reason why we shouldn't be. You know why the reason why some of us ain't changed yet? Because we think our reason why we are is greater than the reason we shouldn't be. Somehow we think our background is greater than the blood. That's lawlessness. Amen? Lawlessness is the rejection of likeness, not necessarily breaking the law of Moses. Amen? It's when we embrace mental likeness, listen to me, psychological likeness, emotional likeness that doesn't reflect his likeness where we know his likeness but embrace our own we're being lawless I know what the Bible says but this is just the way that I am I know what the Bible says but this is the way I was raised I know what the Bible says but this is the way we did it it's me saying I know your likeness but what I have dealt with gives me the right to reject it and remain like something not like you. That's cold love. The question is, why do so many people reject likeness and operate in lawlessness in the last days? The Bible says because their love grows cold. Matthew 24 and 12 again says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. It's our love level towards God that benefits from his love toward us. His love, our love towards him gives us access to his son's likeness. But if our love grows cold, what happens when there is no pursuit in the morning? What happens when there is no, I will bless the Lord at all times? What happens when worry and stress and warring and all the other things that we have tell us to stop running after God and tell us we got to handle this thing? What happens? For a while there, you remember that's when it was good. You remember when you was getting up in the morning? You remember when you was praising them? Everybody had that. You know what I'm saying? The best way I could describe it is this the sweet spot. You know that sweet spot. That sweet spot when you was laughing. That sweet spot when you were smiling. That sweet spot where you couldn't stop blessing them. That, that sweet spot where you're so hungry for the word. And then what did the enemy do? The enemy said, I got a halt. I got to make something bigger than being conformed into his image. I got to stop them from entering the kingdom. And so what happens is betrayal comes. Hmm. Offense comes. Mm. people who ain't living right and so I start noticing everything else that's wrong with everybody else and it causes me to stop seeking God because of betrayal because of offense because of individuals living unrighteous I stop the love of God my love wax cold I just ain't after him like I was because it don't seem as important right now. What happens when I stop going after God? He puts down the hammer and the chisel. Why do I end up lawless? Because this is just the way I'm like. Ain't nothing else chipping at me no more. Ain't nothing chipping at way at my attitude. It's just, that's just me. I'm, I'm that way. Stop trying to make me something I'm not. But the problem is the chisel's down. The hammer's put down. There's no love to facilitate the work. Because of all the bad things that are happening, look at all the walls. Look at all the sickness. Look at all this devastation. The love of many shall wax cold. 
They're just stuck where they are, trying to fight a battle with weapons less than they have access to. Our weapon is his likeness. Did you, did you hear what I just said? Our weapon is his likeness. When we get enough like God, we will not have to tell devils to leave. They'll look at us and say, where can we go? Our weapon is likeness. Lawlessness isn't the rejection of ministry. It is the rejection of likeness. Let me tell you that again. Lawlessness is not the rejection of ministry. It is the rejection of likeness. It's me doing ministry like I am instead of continuing to be conformed into who he is. The love of many growing cold is literally the picture of individuals who embrace ministry while rejecting likeness. We don't stop working for God. Listen to this. We stop emphasizing being conformed into the image of God. What does the world need? Do they need my ministry or do they need him? They don't need my ministry. They don't need my good preaching. They need his image. And the reason why I'm mad ain't nobody listening because I don't look enough like him. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What are those weapons? When you've done all you can do to stand, stand all the more having your head, the helmet of salvation. That ain't a real helmet. That's the head of God. That's putting on Jesus. Breastplate of righteousness. That ain't no real breastplate. That is the heart of God covering God. It is you putting on him. And they may tell your neighbor, I'm about to put on Christ. My God, I pray, you better watch out. Darkness, you better watch out. I'm about to wear light. I'm not going to ask for God to get me out of dark places. I'm going to go into dark places and light them up. I'm about to put on, I'm about to set it off up in here. I'm going to go into a dark place, lift up my hands and begin to bless my God. And I'm just going to light up some dark stuff. I'm just going to shut, shut down some stuff that's stuck. Our problem is we don't know our true north is being conformed into the image of God. Anytime whatever you're doing veers away from becoming the sons and daughters of God, that's a trick of the enemy. There's only one true north. The image and likeness of Jesus. Amen. Watch this. Can somebody just bless him right there? Come on, I know. Come on. What if I told you that clap was a chisel and your shout was a hammer? What if I told you your thank you was a chisel and your glory was a hammer? What if I told you your dance was a chisel? I told you, I told you, it's making you like him, that is giving you his heart, that is changing how you see. What if I told you that's the reason why you've been mad? What if I told you that's the reason why you've been thinking more than you've been mouthing? What if I told you that's the reason why you've been feeling heavy? The enemy knows your king has a hammer and a chisel, and he knows what he looks like. This is so important for us that we understand this. Why? Why, Tasha, do me and you need to understand this? You know why me and you need to understand this? Because of our purpose. See, we're called right now, we're entering into a five-fold ministry expression. That's a lot of what we were just in, what, that's what it was for, to expose us to that. But this is what we got to understand about that. It's key that we understand this, that every five-fold office Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is actually an aspect of his self. 
Jesus is the chief apostle. It was him taking a piece of himself and in setting that man in that office, giving him that aspect of his image. Jesus is the prophet. To operate in the office of the prophet is for Jesus to take that part of himself and then put it on you. Jesus is the chief evangelist. Don't sit up there and say he didn't. He evangelized every way you could. He multiplied fish and bread. He raised the dead and he called people in. He cast out devils and he called people in. He got on boats and preached to the shore and he brought people in. He told them go down to the sea and get money out of a fish's mouth and he brought people in. He told them cast your net on the other side and he brought people in. He was the chief evangelist and to have that office is for you to have that measure of his likeness. Being in an office means being more like him than most people. That's him dividing himself to different people so those different people could help him bring everybody else back together. And he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be teachers and pastors for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, until we come to the unity. Because it's five offices functioning out of the character of one man. I need somebody to shout right there. We just bamboozled, shut down, locked down darkness, every trick of the enemy. We will see the glory of God. We will enter into the fullness of the measure of the stature of God. We will see his glory. I am not an apostle if I'm not like him as an apostle. I can't have the office. That's why there's only some. Can we bless him right there? How many felt the tremor of the glory? Felt the power of God right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. See, you, me, I was raised in a church culture, and, and it messed me up, but I'm, I'm not going to blame the culture I was raised in. The reason why I'm not going to blame it is because I still chose to live out of that. But I was taught that the offices and the gifts, the best way to learn the offices and the gifts was to study the people who had operated in that office and gift. And because I did, many times you're taught their mindsets that are different, their attitudes. It's, in other words, their unreputable behavior, but because they still operated in the office, I'm just acting like my office. Amen? And so we made the watermark being like the men who had the office instead of being like him. And so we embrace flaws that we never were supposed to embrace. We embrace mindsets that were not like him. It was like the prophet that, that came in his name. We embrace ways of talking that was not like the chief apostle. It was like the apostle that we looked at. And so we began to mess things up. But God came in. Yes, he did. And he took some grave clothes off of us. And now I understand that my job is not to be like the last apostle. My job is not to be like the apostle across the street. My job is to be like Jesus. As long as I do, yes Lord, yes Lord, as long as I do that, I've done my job as an apostle. I've done my job as in my assignment. I don't have to be a professional apostle. I just have to be a legitimate son. I just want to free somebody today. 
that are trying to follow the characteristics that are not his, trying to flow in stuff because what it did was it disregarded behaviors that should not have been allowed simply because that's the way evangelists are. That's the way apostles are. No, 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 no. If they got the office, they're like Jesus. If they got the office, they're like the Son of God. They got that from him. I'm so glad to hear that out of your belly. I pray all that stuff stir up. I pray everything the devil's been trying to stifle stirs up in your belly right now. I just dare you. Just lift your hands and bless him right there. Bless him. Your family's going to shift because of it. Your marriage is going to shift because of it. Your children are going to shift because of it. Your grandchildren are going to shift because of it. Your fortune is going to shift because of it. I've been waiting for that. I just need you to know there's authority in that that, that the enemy is after. But I need you to be afraid. I heard that robocomand. I heard it and I felt it. Right, right from over here. Out of everything else that well, I heard that. What was that? That's what the devil's trying to stifle. Hallelujah. 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 Can anybody feel that freedom in the room? Come on. Anybody feel that liberty in the room? I don't have to be. I can just receive love that makes me like him. I don't have to try. I can just receive love that makes me like him. I don't have to strive. I can just receive love that makes me like him. Fire back up your love. Light back up your passion. Get the matches and the gasoline out. Light up the grill. Get out the embers. Grab the charcoal. Grab the lighter fluid. It's time to set some stuff back on fire. No weapon formed against me is able to prosper. No weapon formed against you is able to prosper. You know why? You know why no weapon formed against you is able to prosper? Because if he has to form it, that means he has to face you. He faces you and says, okay, that will work. Now let me go form the weapon for the one that I just saw. But he don't know while he's forming, I'm conforming. Y'all miss what I just said. While he's forming the weapon, I'm being conformed into his image. And by the time he gets back, the weapon won't work. I need somebody to say no weapon formed against me is able. I'm changing no weapon my praise is changing no weapon my shout is changing no weapon my desire for the word is changing no weapon my peace is changing no weapon my joy is changing no weapon the love of God somebody help come on I need you to move get over there pastor come on come on let, let him let him go but keep him let him get everything God is doing Oh
Come on, somebody bless him. Come on, somebody bless him. Come on, somebody bless him. 